So we're in Mark chapter 5 today. Paul said to Timothy, there would come a day in the church where people's desire to hear things that were pleasing to them would take a precedent over God's word. And you know, we we may be there in this age. Just opening the book and sharing from the book certainly isn't quite as popular in vogue today as it once was. And uh, But I want to say this, the Bible says about itself that the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God endures forever. The Bible says about itself that, uh, that Christ's words are never going to return void. And Jesus, on the night before he went to the cross, said, for all those who are going to believe, and for those who are going to believe through the ones who believe, I pray for them that you would sanctify them in truth. Mean make them pure through the truth. And then he went on to say, thy word is the truth. And so I, I don't talk about it often, but there's a reason why I hold the book when we share. I think you could get the best words from Smith and that would be all they are. And you could walk out and they would be empty. But when you get the word of the Lord and that comes to your heart, that word can change you forever. And so as Michael W. Smith said, these ancient words are so true that they can change me and they can change you. May the Lord add that kind of blessing to the preaching of his word. Well, as uh, KC read this morning, there was a woman, and, and it's interesting, uh, if you read this account in the book of Luke, or if you read this account in the book of Mark, and there's one big reason. Luke was a doctor, he was a physician. You don't quite get these, these words that there was a woman who had endured much at the hands of many physicians. That's registering in the complaint department. Uh, and, and I want you to feel for her this morning. A woman who had had a hemorrhage for 12 years, had endured much at the hands of many physicians, had spent all that she had. I bet you she didn't have Obamacare. She spent all that she had. No insurance was bailing her out of the problem. And she still had her physical problem. Hey, have you ever been in a situation in life where you put everything you had into it and it was a dead-end street and you felt the pressure of living on that dead-end street because it was a problem that wasn't finding its remedy? And that's the problem about this, this woman. For 12 years... She'd seen doctor after doctor after doctor. Now remember, in our series of sermons, this is the third sermon in the series, God, our helper, God, our healer. Well, why go to God? I mean, after all, didn't they have hospitals? Even back in that day, they had hospitals. Didn't they have doctors? They had plenty of doctors. And... Uh, 
and you could get appointments with the doctors and you could invest, but she'd already done that. I, I imagine instead of the Mayo Clinic, you know, she might have had the, you know, the Bethany Medical Consortium. Or maybe she had the Israeli Physicians Consortium. But whatever she had, it wasn't meeting her physical need. Where do you go in life when you have physical needs and the medical world isn't enough to get you there as beautiful as the medical world is? I mean beautiful. I went to see one of our, our members this week and that member had pictures of his heart taken from the inside out. They went up and into his heart and had all kinds of pictures taken in his heart. That's a pretty good world where they can do that and find out if there are any problems in the heart. And he was saying to me, I just, I can't believe it. I told him I can't believe it either. You know, he's my age and so, you know, we weren't particularly talking holy conversation. I don't think it was unholy conversation. He was telling me, are you kidding? I got to see you now after all these preachers, you know, or all these doctors. And I said, yes. And it reminds me that this is probably punishment for my past sins. If I have to visit you in a backless gown with those ugly socks on your feet that they give you in hospitals, you know. I mean, we were both commiserating that neither of us were too happy about the situation life had dealt us, you know. But in the middle of it all, he said, I want to really get serious a minute and praise God. I can't believe that laying in this bed or on a gurney or putting me in the uh, OR, they could take pictures of my heart. But see, what if you could take all the pictures in the world of your heart, but it wasn't enough to change your heart? What if you could pay for the best medical care, but that medical care wasn't enough to to provide for the healing. Now, I want to tell you about the context of the scripture in the book of Mark. Because Mark, as an author, is in the midst of an incredible journey. First of all, this is a young man that wrote this gospel. And even though Matthew appears first in Holy Scripture, Mark is the earliest written gospel that we have. You know, even people that are uh, on the left side of the political spectrum and people that are on the right side of the political spectrum and theological spectrum, they all agree on this. You know, it's a miracle when we all agree on anything practically in this day and age, but they all agree that this is John Mark and he's the youngest guy. And do you know what is so uh, unusual about John Mark? The Apostle Paul said, if you ever bring him on a mission trip with me again, I'm going to quit going. I don't know what John Mark was like, but he evidently hit the last nerve of the Apostle Paul on that youth ministry trip. Know what I'm saying? I think Paul quit being a youth minister after that. And Barnabas, who had traveled with, with the Apostle Paul, was so sure that that was the wrong attitude that the Apostle Paul had 
about this young man that Barnabas picked him up and started traveling with him. And never again did Paul and Barnabas go on another mission trip together. But if you backtrack in the scripture, guess what? In the day when nobody was listening to the Apostle Paul because they didn't believe that that rascal could have got converted, Christians had seen that the Apostle Paul was there when Stephen was stoned to death in that early Christian experience in the book of Acts. And Paul was a part of it all. Nobody was going to let that guy be part of their mission team. But do you know how the Apostle Paul got his start? When nobody believed that he'd genuinely been converted? Barnabas, that the book of Acts says was called the son of encouragement, got the Apostle Paul. He brought him to the disciples and said, now listen, we're preaching about a gospel of conversion. A gospel where somebody can repent of their sins and like that, they can pass from darkness to light, from sickness to health, from being a persecutor to being one who proclaims in the name of Jesus that people can take up their bed and walk. And you, as apostles, must believe your own message. This guy is for us. He's not against us. That was a pretty good day for Barnabas. We got 13 books of our Bible as a result of that experience. That's how many the Apostle Paul wrote for us. Wow. But this time, Paul and Barnabas went this way. They separated. And they separated because Barnabas was trying to do the same thing with John Mark. But guess what? Jesus got the last word. I want you to know this. No matter what opinion people have about you, Jesus gets the last word. Jesus had the first word, and he gave you life. But Jesus is going to have the last word, and because he has the last word, Jesus is the one who holds the key to healing and eternal life. And Jesus said... Through actions and not words, I'm not ready to throw John Mark away. Maybe the Apostle Paul is, but I'm not. And John Mark writes the first gospel. That's pretty cool, isn't it? That the guy that people gave up on in the church is the guy that Jesus uses to write the first gospel. And people from all sectors of life believe it universally. Now, what does Mark wanted to tell us, what did this young man that once got booted out of the church and off the, off the mission trip by the most powerful apostle in Scripture, what does he, well, let me, let me backtrack just this long. He's one of the two most powerful apostles in Scripture. I have to honestly say Simon Peter's up there pretty big too, right? Right? So Paul and Peter, all right? So one of the two biggies says no, but Jesus says yes, and here's this young man that went through the shame of that, writing a book, 16 chapters. It's the shortest gospel, but many people believe the book of Mark is the most poignant gospel, and Mark uses this construct in the gospel. He uses two words, 
And here they are. And immediately. You see that phrase as a recurring phrase all over the gospel. Why, just in these few verses, it says, immediately, verse 29. Verse 30, immediately. There are all kinds of immediately's. Mark wants to say, and immediately this happened, and immediately that happened. And do you know when the immediately stops? When that construct that the author uses, do you know when the immediately's stop in the book of Mark? When you get to the cross. It's almost as if this young man is saying, look, all of these experiences are about Jesus Christ but uh, there's one thing that I don't want you to miss in life. You can't miss Jesus and what he died to do for you on the cross. You know, that proved to be true in this woman's life. When you try everything else you can try in life, if you haven't tried Jesus Christ, you could miss it all. And this is in the area of physical healing. Who has a more booming medical industry than Philadelphia and South Jersey? It's one of the great hot spots in the entire United States of America and in the world for its growing medical industry. Where do you go that's any more conducive to having good medical care than the area we're in? We can drive 20 minutes and get to the best of the best in every kind of research, medical research you can find. But what happens if you try all those things out and you leave out Jesus Christ? Physicians can treat the body. They can teach you about the significance of the body. But who made the body. Do you know that when you get to the very first chapter of the book of John, it starts this way. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. Now listen to this. All things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. In other words, if it's here and it was created in God's creation, it was done by Jesus Christ. In Him is life. And that life is the light of men. In these ancient words, using the words of Michael W. Smith, something happened that was phenomenal. This young man that was booted out by the Apostle Paul, gathered back in by Barnabas and by Jesus, now is writing to us. And do you know what he's writing? If you go to Mark chapter 4, Jesus is in the boat sleeping and a great storm rises up. You remember the story? And they wake Jesus up, and here's Simon Peter, you know, he's got Jesus like this. And, and there's intimation in the Greek language that Jesus was taking a nap, and he was blocking off the rudder. 
you know, the, what you had to hold. And, and in a storm, it's kind of important you get to the rudder, but they can't because the local preacher's taking a nap. Right? Don't you know how that sits with Simon Peter? Huh? The fishermen were the sailors and truck drivers of the day, you know. They weren't known for their flowery language. I promise you that one. They were not known for the flowery language. And here's Simon Peter. Hey, get up. Don't you care that we're perishing? I'll give you the old RSV today, which is the what? Yeah, the Ron Smith version, the RSV. Here it is. Simon Peter, don't you care that we're going to die here? And Jesus sits up and he says, what are you so afraid for? Woo! Baby. I mean, when's the last time anybody told that old rugged dude, Simon Peter, who later in the scripture gets mad because he fell asleep in the prayer meeting and when he woke up, uh, Judas was betraying him and here's the high priest guy and he cuts the dude's ear off. Remember that one? I mean, Simon Peter's not the guy you want to wake up in the middle of the prayer meeting. No, no, no. That's not the guy the preacher sits up and says, why are you so afraid? <laughs> See, the rest part they deleted from Scripture. It, if, it, if it had been on the TV, it would just been one bloop after another bloop after another bloop. Or bleep or whatever they call them. I don't even know what they call them. But uh, you, couldn't have, you couldn't have got it. You don't tell a fisherman why are you so afraid when he could name the last ten people that drowned out there on the sea in his profession. Jesus stands up and he goes, shh. And the Bible says they were all amazed because the sea went calm. Just. And then they're talking and they're saying, who is this guy anyway? Who is this guy that even the wind and the waves obey him? And then do you know what happens? It says when evening of that day comes, they go out and there's a man who's a maniac living in the graveyard. I mean, he is a deranged maniac. No parents are letting their kids sign up to go on that adventure serve retreat. Because the Bible says this guy still had shackles on him, but he broke them because when the people tried to, to chain him up, he was so strong, he broke the shackles. And it says that he was howling, living in the graveyard, and he would make all of these kinds of noises, and if he got too excited, he'd cut himself, right? That's not the guy you walk up to on back to church Sunday and hand a postcard and say, we hope you can come to Trinity and have some of Vic Gehring's smoked barbecue. He'll smoke barbecue you all right. Jesus goes to that guy and he casts out a legion of demons out of that guy into pigs. And you remember what happens next, right? You all remember the RSV. Pigs run down, they jump into the sea, the price of pork bellies goes up on Wall Street. Because now it's more expensive to buy a pig because there's going to be a shortage. 
So the wind and the waves obey him, meaning he's God over all of nature. The demons obey him, so he's God over supernature. And now in this passage that is read, one of the governor's daughters dies. And on either side of this story about the woman who's bleeding is the story of how Jesus raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. So he's the Lord of death and life. You see? You see what, what this young guy on the youth retreat is trying to tell you? That he's the God over nature. He's the God over supernature. He's the God over death and life. So maybe when it comes to our physical well-being, we ought to include Jesus in on the conversation. The physicians were all in on it. But do you know the, the ironic thing about this story is it says that this woman who had endured much at the hands of many physicians had spent all that she had after hearing about Jesus came up in the crowd behind him and reached out and touched his cloak. If I just touch his garments, I'll get well. You see, sometimes we have to hit rock bottom. And when we're on the bottom, flat on our back, we're looking up. It's almost as if you could lay down in the center aisle here at Trinity Church and when you look up, there's Jesus praying for you right there in that window. And you say, wow, maybe that's the thing that I'm missing in my life. Maybe I'm looking to so many earthly sources to get well. I forgot that Jesus Christ is the one who can really help. And so she touched him. Immediately, the Bible says, there's, the, there's John, or there's Mark. I mean, immediately, immediately, boom, boom, boom. Immediately, the flow of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Now, here's another immediately. Immediately, Jesus, perceiving in himself that the power proceeding from him had gone forth, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing in on you? And you say, who touched me? I mean, they were clearly annoyed at this. It's like being, you know, I don't know, in some earthly place crowded where the streets are, maybe the Mardi Gras in New Orleans. Ever seen that place when it gets crowded, you know? And then Jesus says, who touched me? Are you, Simon Peter's ready again. Are you kidding me, Lord? Who touched you? Look at all these people. And he looked around to find the woman who had done this. Now, are you aware that at the time this scripture is read, a woman has no legal standing whatsoever? Her name can't even be on a will, and she can't receive property. Her name can't be listed in the legal 
registrar of things because in that society, which was a patriarchal society, only the male figure counted. So here they are in this mass of people and some no count touches him and the disciples are, yeah, 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 let's move on. And Jesus looks right at the woman and he says this, your faith has made you whole. Now here are three things I want you to remember before you leave today. And that is, you might feel like a no count in life. You might feel like you're on the bottom of a totem pole. And who are you that God would ever take notice of you? But I'm telling you, on Christ's busiest day, He still notices people who have no name and face and that the world would pass by. The no counts in God's world are Jesus's you count in my world. You hear me? The no counts in this world are still you count in Jesus's world. Man, not even ought to get an amen in the Methodist church in South Jersey. You count. All of you. You count. Though the world may have passed you by, you count. The second thing is, even in the professional world, when we seek professional help, sometimes that's still not all that we need. But the third point is, even in Jesus' busy world, he honors it when you reach out to touch him. The, the title of the message this morning in God our healer, God our helper is this. It's uh, when we touch God. We always talk about when God touches us. But this woman got so desperate she reached out when we touch God and she made contact with Jesus Christ. And her contact with Jesus Christ turned into her healing. So let's review the three points. You feel like maybe you've been a no count? You still count in this scripture. <laughs> Isn't that great? You count with God. That's what the word of God says. You count. Number, number two is you may have been doing all of the right things if you have a physical infirmity. You may be seeing the right doctors and the right professionals. But number three is you still may need more and that relationship of needing more may be the key to your healing if you'll reach out and touch Jesus Christ today. God our helper, God, our healer. And aren't we a group of people that need the healing? Aren't we a group of people that really need him? So I want to close the service this morning by singing, surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. And the altar rails are going to be open for you as we sing because maybe you want to reach out and touch 
Jesus today from this sanctuary. And when you do, here's what I'm trusting. I'm trusting that the key to your healing, like this one woman that was a no-count woman in Scripture, God will take your touch to Him as a count to open up a new level of healing for you in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Why not? If we've tried everything, why not try Jesus Christ? Why not reach out and touch Him? Why not take the Word of God serious enough today to believe? And in believing, maybe next month when Scott and I are sharing and say, is there any joys anybody wants to share? Somebody can say, I began to trust Jesus for a deeper level of healing. And He is doing that in my life. Maybe we'll hear that testimony. But we'll never know unless we reach out to touch Him. Humble thoughts. But I pray you receive them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.